blessed day to you all and a very warm welcome to the Greylet Cafe podcast brought to you by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus is a communications consultancy focused on engineering, infrastructure, sustainability and research. And with you today is Inji Musa, political scientist and teaching associate at Cambridge University. And I'm very honored, please, as always, to be accompanied by Mr. Anthony Haynes, creative director of Frontinus. Greetings, Mr. Anthony. Greetings, Inji. So this episode is the third and last episode on writing book proposals. In the last two episodes, we covered nine pitfalls that authors should avoid when producing for proposals. And for today, we aim to conclude this series by positively asking how to actually write a good book proposal. As many of you know, Dr. Anthony is author of Writing Successful Academic Books, published by Cambridge University Press, and Writing Successful Textbooks, published by ANC Black. So we are, again, in the hands of the expert, and we hope to come out of this uh, episode with some tangible and useful uh, knowledge, as always, on how to write book proposals. So without further ado, uh, Mr. Anthony, in our first episode of this mini-series, you said that authors need to understand the genre of the book proposal, i.e. that a proposal is, in effect, a mini-investment plan written to persuade a publisher to invest thousands of pounds in your project. With that in mind, what's the first thing a prospect author should do when writing a book proposal? Yeah, I think the first thing is to state clearly who the target market is. Who Who is it that's going to buy this book if it gets published? Now, it might seem obvious that you need to do that, but it's actually quite a difficult or it can be a rather difficult thing to do. And sometimes you find authors, when you say who's the target audience, that, that their mind goes a bit blank. I think the way to approach this question, if you find it a difficult question to answer is to try to think concretely think of it in terms of other products like the people going to buy your book what other kinds of books do they read and what kinds of newspapers or magazines do they read and what sort of places do they work in and what what sort of job titles do they have and all these questions are quite concrete ones that will help you to put together a portrait of the kind of customer who's going to buy your book. Interesting. Wow. And what would be the second advice you would give our authors today? I think the second advice is to make sure that this target market is focused. So in the previous edition, we mm. talked about not simply adding more and more sub-markets and, and hoping this is going to build up to a sort of overwhelming case of a book. I think what I would say here, in terms of making it focused, think about language like primary, secondary, tertiary. Like the primary market is this one. That's the one that's really going to make the book go. But the, we might sell a few extra copies here and there. So a secondary market would be this one and a tertiary market might be this one. Or you can use words like main or prime and then words like supplementary, additional or even marginal. And using these words helps you to show where extra numbers of sales of books might come from without giving impression that all markets are equally important and everyone is going to buy the book. So you can express gradations of likelihood in terms of the markets buying the books. Interesting. And any advice in terms of the kind of the international market in that respect? Yeah, so you've got two ways of essentially selling a book internationally. I mean, one is directly by exporting copies of the book. And the second is by selling the rights so that other people can publish the book and translate the book. And what you can do is, first of all, 
in the proposal show that you are aware that those things matter. So simply talking about them helps. In addition to that, pointing out what it is about the way you've designed the book that will make the book of interest to somewhere else. Supposing you're a British author and you actually want it to sell in Canada, well, how are you going to do that? That uh, might be citing research from Canadian sources. It might be bringing in a Canadian to write one of the chapters in the book. It might be asking a Canadian to provide a puff, you know, a couple of sentences to promote the book or to write a foreword for the book or to provide case studies from Canadian examples. So it's drawing attention of the publisher to these features and say, look, do you see why it's exportable? Uh, but it's also making sure you've got those features in there in the first place. So it's thinking in the design of the book about how you build in this international potential for sales. Interesting. So, so far you talked about clarify the target market, ensuring that the market is focused, think internationally, and as well as showing that you are thinking internationally in your book proposal. What would be the fourth advice for us today? I think it show as far as possible that the market for the book and the sales are going to sustain over time and they're not going to fall off a cliff after a certain short period of time. So think about what you've put into the design of a book that means that it might sell not only the first year it comes out, year one, but also say year two and year three and so on. Mm. And often that's actually thinking about what to avoid. Like what is so that you could put into the book that actually could go out of date rather rapidly and think maybe I don't need that I don't want that case example. Maybe I can find a better case example. Interesting. Wow. Um if I may In our last episode, episode two, we talked about um, channels for informing the market. So any advice in that respect for us today? Yes, to some extent, this ex duplicates or extends what I was saying earlier about trying to actually define the market, trying to clarify the market. I think it's useful to come up with concrete examples. So, okay, yeah, you can get your book reviewed in journals. Which journals? And rather than just say the types of journals, actually give, say, here, here are the journals in this subject area that regularly publish book reviews. So the point I In a way, I shouldn't have chosen journals because I don't think their reviews have a huge effect on book sales. But the point I'm trying to make is by being concrete and specific, I think you help the cause of your proposal a lot. Interesting. Okay. Um, what else? Well, I think also relating your book, your proposed book to comparable products. And when I say comparable products, I partly mean other books. But books don't just compete against themselves. They actually compete against other types of products as well. You know, people spend money and time consuming content in various ways, uh, whether it's you know, listening to podcasts would be a good example, listening to a radio program, getting consultancy going to a presentation at a conference. These are all things which in some sense are complementing each other and in some sense competing against each other. So you really want a two-step dance at this point. Well, one step is to show there's all this other stuff, like there's genuine interest in what you're writing about and other people are also interested in exploiting that interest in one way or another. That's the first step of the dance. And then the second step of the dance is to say, well, how is what you're doing distinctive in some ways or better in some ways than what other people are doing? So although publishers in their proposal forms often just talk about competing books, uh, often what we're really talking about is as much about comparable or even complementary products rather than simply competition. Well, I think that's very useful and gives another way of kind of grounding your, your book in the market instead of just looking into a narrow channel and try to fit your book there or make it 
show yeah. that it has a market. You kind of widen your perspective and show that it's not only about my field. Actually, there are lots of connections that make my book appealing to a wider audience than the immediate uh, one, which is, yeah. Yeah, and then you can start to say something like, well, this, this book will have a similar appeal to this product, or this book is in many ways comparable to this product. And that helps to give people confidence to think, oh, yeah, you know, there are there are actually successful products in this marketplace. It'd be nice to have a piece of that market. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow. Okay, so we have six very important advice. For, I know that you have at least one more to share with us. So can we kindly um, listen to this? Yeah, I, th- I think the last one is in some ways the most obvious, but, but also the most important. In the previous edition, we said that um, authors sometimes fail to explain why customers will actually buy the book. And um, so, so my advice here is simply to say, Make sure that you have an explicit, stress the word explicit, explicit explanation of why people will want to buy the book. I want to say there a word about the use of the word interesting, because when you challenge authors and say, yeah, why are people going to buy your book? The default mode is to start talking about what's interesting. So they say, oh, well, people will find it interesting because, or, oh, it's a really interesting book because it's got this in it and that's interesting. <laughs> I don't like that word. I I once interviewed an Australian poet called Les Murray, and he was talking to me about the word interest. And he said, interest is a very thin thing. It's not very thick. And I I like that. I think he's right. And so when people tell me this is going to be a good book because it's so interesting. I kind of switch off. Like I think that's so that's setting the bar so low that it's not going to come to fruition. I, I mean, one way of thinking about it is if something's interesting, I kind of might glance at a magazine article about it, but I don't want to commit 10 hours of my time to reading a 300-page book about it. I think I need something a bit more of an interest that so obviously i'm not saying you can't use the word interest in your proposal but i suppose what i'm saying is if you find yourself resorting to that word see if you can do better and ask yourself whether you've actually got a good reason a good motivation for people wanting to buy the book and in some way you want the book to help them out so that you know you could say so they're a better person than when they read the book before in other words they come away knowing something or understanding something that they didn't in the first place and that's a value to them. That has a value. I recommended in a previous edition using the word benefit. You know, the benefit of the book is this. I think also the word value is useful. The value of this book is that it enables readers to understand this or it enables readers to do that. And also the word need. That That's a good word as well. Like the need for this book. Why, why do we need this book? The need for this book is because people can't do the following or don't know how to do something. Wow, that's very profound to be honest. I, I usually use the word interesting after <laughs> yeah. everything you say, so I, I have to be very worried now. And honestly, when you, you kind of mentioned the part of thin and thick, I, that's a side note, but I, I'm kind of very keen to mention it, to be honest, uh, because coming from a political science um, kind of discipline and especially doing like the politics of authoritarianism, which mm. is my um, focus area, like interest in politics is a very negative term. Is it? So it has kind of, yeah, it's a very negative term. We, we always speak out like regime interest and uh, oh, as if they are kind of uh, on the other end of national interest and of the people, popular will. Yeah. So so now I'm very worried about <laughs> what I'm going to say. I need, and it's also... <laughs> I need to, <laughs> 
I need to find like an alternative word now to comment on all the insightful things that you usually say. This is tied up also with the English language and the English love of euthanism. I mean, if someone's, if you gave a paper, Inji, and someone said, thank you, Dr. Musa, for your interesting paper, you would think, oh, was it that bad? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now that's another layer to be conscious of. (laughs) Anyway, thank you very much. Okay, well, uh, honestly, that was a very insightful and uh, and profound episode. I'm very thankful for all the advices you shared with us today. And I'm sure that all our audience um, are very kind of looking forward to review them again and again and to make uh, use of them. So thank you very much, Mr. Anthony, again, for such a, a rich uh, series on writing proposals. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Inji. And I hope, I hope that the series will actually help to get some good books published. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This was Inji Musa with Anthony Haynes. Grey Lit Cafe is edited by Dr. Bart Hallmark and produced by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus specializes in grey literature forms such as proposals, publications, papers, and reports. The music is from Handel's Water Music, courtesy of the United States Marine Band and Marine Chamber Orchestra. See you next time. Bye.